Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Man, we're so excited about what God is doing here and everything that is happening. And so, man, as we get ready to jump in, we're going to spend most of this series talking about the kingship of Christ. How Jesus desires to be king. Uh, and so, man, we are pumped. Go ahead and take out your Bibles if you're going to jump around with us today. But I remember uh, getting a rude awakening as a, as a young person. And so <clears throat> one of the things that <clears throat> I didn't realize, and, and if you're single, you probably should pay attention. Lean into this for just a second, all right, if you're single. Because this is a rule that I didn't know existed until after I got married. All right, it's an important rule. Because if you're going to get invited to Christmas parties later in life, you need to know this, all right? That is, that whoever you marry, one of you has to be the buyer and one of you has to be the head nodder at Christmas parties. All right? What I mean by that is this. One of you has to know what you're buying, everyone, and the other, you, other one has to know to head nod when they're opening presents that you didn't know existed. Okay? So, for example, my wife is the buyer. She buys all the presents, and then I sit around at the parties wherever she's handing them out, and I nod my head like both of us picked them out together. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Brad. We appreciate it. I'm like, you know. We're, we are both in the aisle. You know, we weighed heavily on our decision to purchase you this gift, and we equally spent the same amount of time invested in it. So I just want you to know that you're welcome from me to you. Uh, and so one of you is always going to be the head nodder. And you just need to make sure that neither one of both of you can't be the head nodder because you're going to get to the party and be like, where's the gift at? We don't know. Right. So you both got to do that. So uh, that's free advice. If you're single, make sure you marry someone that is you got to have at least one buyer in the group. All right. The problem is if you got two buyers in the group, you're broke all the time and everything's not going. OK, so you just got to be really careful in that space. But I, sometimes I feel like uh, as young people uh, or younger people, maybe we weren't quite as prepared for the world as we should have been, right? Anybody ever felt like you were underprepared for life? Everyone raise your hand, okay? Like there's an element where everyone was underprepared for life, right? I feel like I didn't quite get as good of a grasp on bills as I should have as a young person, right? How many of y'all realize bills that existed that you didn't even know were a thing when you grew up? Like gas, like not car gas, but like there's gas at houses, like, so you, you have these bills you didn't know about, other responsibilities that I feel like I was like underprepared for. My dad did a great job raising me, let me know, listen, stuff's going to cost something. You just better be prepared. I just wasn't as prepared as I should have been, right? How about taxes? How, which form do you fill out? You know what I'm saying? Like, and then we're putting all of our faith in someone that works in H&R Block that worked at Payless the week before. Like, so I don't know how much confidence to have in this. Like, I, I don't know what, what's going on. And then lastly, but I think most importantly, I had no idea how much food at restaurants really costed. Like, how many of you, when your parents bought the food at the restaurant, you were like, I'm going in, right? And then you start buying it and you're like, whoa, wait a second. Right? And then... To go with that, I had no idea how much the sweet tea and the queso dip added to your check at the Mexican restaurants, right? Like, you're going in like $8.99 on some fajitas. You're like, yes, I'm getting out of here for under $10. You know what I'm saying? Then you get the, you get the bill and it's $26. You're like, $26? How did this happen? I just ordered some chips, right? 
The problem is you never eat fajitas because you fill it up on the chips and the queso. Anyways, that's not the point, right? And so we have been, like, we, sometimes we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. But I'm here to tell you today that I can tell you one other thing we have no idea about. And for all of us that are walking in the doors today, that we are listening today, I'm going to tell you that many of us have no idea what Jesus came to our life to bring. Many of us have no idea all that Jesus has set out to be in our lives. Turn to your neighbor and say, no idea. Now listen, y'all better be with me today. I hope y'all got your coffee because I'm here to preach, son. Because I believe that God has something he wants to tell us that if we'll let it get past our minds, into our hearts, and into the bones of our life, we'll live different, we'll celebrate different, we'll be different in our marriage, different in our relationships, different with our friends, different in our career, different in our degree, different in every aspect of our life. If we'll grab a hold of this truth, we'll allow God to transform us from the inside out. And so why does this matter? Why does this matter? Why does it matter that we have a good grasp and understanding on who Jesus wants to be in our life? The reason this is so important is because there are elements of what Jesus demands of us that seem hard to surrender. I want you to think about it for a second. Jesus says, love your enemies. And if someone hits you, turn the other cheek. How many of y'all having a hard time with that one? Seven of y'all. The rest of you are having a hard time with lying, okay? So how many of you are having a hard time with the love your enemies thing? How many of you got some people you cut off way too quickly? (laughs) Like, I don't think I cut them off too quickly. It's like, okay, God needs to deal with that, okay? So how how many of you got some stuff on the inside God is still working out for you? How many of y'all say, I ain't quite there yet? How many of y'all still making hand gestures you know you don't want the Lord seeing in the car in traffic? How many of y'all know when the McFlurry machine is still broken... You feel some kind of way the Lord's got to deal with, right? And so, but in all honesty, how many of you know that there are still some unforgiveness and wounds that God has still yet to completely heal in your life? How many of you have still got some hurts and damages that if you were being completely honest, you have not surrendered to the Lord the way you know you should? How many of you uh, know there are areas of your life that you know God is calling you, asking you, and leading you to live differently than you're currently living, and you're having a hard time turning that over to him? Just four of us. I'm going to take silence as guilt. Me too. But how many of us also know that the life that Jesus asks us to live isn't just possible It's available to us, but for some reason, many of us have a hard time understanding what Jesus is asking us to do. And I want you to understand, it's the first thing in your notes today, without a true understanding of why Jesus came, we will always struggle with what he's asking us to do. Without a very true understanding of why Jesus came to this earth, why he laid down his life, why he came to be a king to us, without a true understanding of why he's here, we'll always struggle with what he's asking us to do. I don't want to love that person. Jesus says, you got to love them anyways. I don't want to forgive that person. Jesus says, you need to forgive them anyways. I, I, I don't want to let the McDonald's employee go for that machine. Jesus says, you have to go get a sonic blast, okay? Holy anointed in Jesus' name. Okay, no, like, but there are aspects of what Jesus is asking of us that if we don't get why he's here, we lose track of 
what he's asking us to do. It seems impossible if we don't grab a hold of who Jesus has come into our life to be. Therefore, we struggle with Christianity. We struggle with acting right, don't we? How many of y'all still ain't got it all quite there yet? Raise your hand one more time. God's still working on you. You still got some stuff. Turn in every next to you say, I ain't got it all figured out yet. So you can't watch me all day, every day. Because it don't all look like Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? Like, so I'm still work. So acting right is not something that I'm inherently good at. How many of y'all still got some stuff in the past you're still dealing with? How many of y'all got some things back there, some unforgiveness, some bitterness, some things you did, some things that got done to you that has affected who you are today? I'm here to tell you that those things can still haunt you. How many of you are struggling with trying to figure out what your purpose and understanding what God has for you is? Those things are hard. And then struggling to live a life that glorifies God. How many of us are still struggling to live a life that reflects who God wants us to be? How many of y'all still ain't got your tongue together just yet? How many? Oh, I had a nerve. I'm sorry. See, the thing is, is uh, many of us are living a life for ourselves, but what does it look like to to live a life that truly brings God glory? And here's a question that I hear from many people. Brad, is that even important? Is it important that I live a life that brings glory to God? Like, he saved me. Isn't that enough? My friends, I believe that God has so much more for us. Turn to your neighbor and say, so much more. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 is where we're going to start today. It's going to pop up on the screen. But it says this in Colossians 2, 6 through 7. So then, talking to us that belong to Jesus. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And so, do we really know what Jesus came to this earth to do? I believe many of us have no idea. Do we really know what Jesus came to this earth to be? I believe many of us have no idea. And do we really know what Jesus came to this earth to be to us? I believe many of us have no idea. And today, we're going to step into the Christmas series, and, and we're going to go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 is where we're jumping to next. And, and this is where we see the unpacking of this king that has been promised, right? And so in Isaiah, there's a prophecy that there is one coming. And it says this, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Man, this is the promise of this king that is coming. And so for God's people, the people of Israel, this is great news. So to catch you up, if you don't know what's going on right now, right? They've had a history of leaders that were pharaohs and kings and leaders and rulers that were, uh, and they were in captivity and they've been abused. They've been neglected. They've been held captive. Uh, they've been beat up. They've been pressed down. They've been stomped on. They've been, I mean, out, I mean, like God's people have been ran through the ringer. And so finally they get to this place where they're like, oh my gosh, out of, after all the abuse and all the stuff that we've gone through, Finally, there's a king coming. 
I don't want you to hear me. They've suffered under rulers, but now there's a king coming. They've suffered under the bondage and under the abuse, but now there's a promise. Okay, finally, there's a king coming. And so they start to get excited. So what do they start doing? They're looking for this king. And there's three things that the king is going to do. There's more than that. But the three things that we're looking at today that the king has come to do and what they were looking for. So the first thing is they were looking for a righteous king. They were looking for a righteous king, one that would rule rightly, one that would, find, that would have honor and integrity, one that would finally rule and that would reign and that would lead and that would finally take dominion righteously, that he wouldn't show favoritism to other tribes, that he wouldn't push down on God's people, he wouldn't abuse them, but he would righteously and sovereignly move over them and that he would lead them and guide them the way that they needed a king to do that, right? In Zechariah 9, 9 through 10, it says this, See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And so he says, you're seeing your, your king comes righteous and victorious. And they were looking for a righteous king. The second thing they were looking for is a reigning king. A reigning king. They were, they were looking for a king that would bring victory and peace to their nation. Finally, that he would reign with a, a righteous right hand. That he would reign victoriously. That he would lead them out of all the bondage, out of all the captivity, out of the struggle. And out of, he would finally lead them. And that he would reign in such a way that they could follow him. And follow them, follow him as he reigned. In other words, like, how many of you guys have ever followed behind somebody that had authority before? It's like you don't have to have the authority, but the one that goes before you has it. So you just get to like soak up in their authority. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you, so you're you're walking behind them, like yeah, I, I'm I, I may not have it all together, but this person's got it, and I'm with them. Like so, I don't know about you guys. I've uh, I've had the opportunity to meet some famous people from playing drums and meeting in the music scene and stuff like that. And there were so many times that I I like I would walk into a a room and I wasn't a big deal but I was with the guy that was a big deal so then I became a big deal and so I had people they're like what do you need what do you need a water do you need like what is it? how can we serve you today and I was like well you know you know was I a big deal no was I walking in the room with a big deal yes what they were saying is we may not be a big deal but we're looking for a king that's going to reign. We're looking for someone we're going to be able to walk behind. And we may not have it all together, but we're following a king that's reigning in such a way that we get to establish honor because our king is honored. So they're looking for a reigning king, victorious and peaceful. And finally, they were looking for a king that was going to have a kingdom. They're looking for a king that was going to have a kingdom, a place to reign and something that he would possess. And so they're looking for a king that's going to establish his kingdom, something on this earth that they can look to and say, that's where he's at. That's where he reigns from. That's where his kingdom is. That's where we can go meet him. That's where we can go introduce ourselves to him. That's where we can get to know him. Let's go to the place where the king is reigning. 2 Samuel seven twelve says it like this. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom kingdom. And if you don't know 2 Samuel, they're talking about a Solomon, but more so they're talking about Jesus who is coming after Solomon there. And he's saying, I will establish his kingdom, a place that he will reign from. Friends, they were looking for a king. And I hear me today, for many of us, we are looking for a king. And so 
They knew what they were looking for. They had no idea what they were going to get. They knew what they were looking for, but they had no idea what they were going to get. God's people in the Old Testament had a history of pharaohs and kings and leaders and those that ruled unrighteously, those that ruled uh, with evil intent, those that ruled the land, those that uh, caused abuse, those that caused harm. And hear me, they ruled in such a way that God's people were looking for a way of escape from all of the evil. And what translates to us, what helps us understand that is the same way that they were physically ruled by evil now and the New Testament, now us, now those of us that follow Jesus, we're ruled, but it's not by evil leaders naturally, although that's debatable. Anyways, not the point. We're not led in the world by those things just like they were, but we're led spiritually by those things. Like how many of you guys will admit with me today, you got some stuff in your heart that still holds you captive and holds you back from the life that God wants for you? How many of you are honest, you would say you still have some addiction issues, some bondage issues, some unforgiveness issues, some bitterness issues, some things from your past, some stuff you ain't got right, some stuff that still owns you, some stuff that still holds you down, some stuff that still has you in bondage, some stuff that still has you in captivity. What someone did to you years ago still haunts you. It still owns your emotions. The very thing you're trying to break free from, you can't quite get there because it keeps pressing you down. The way they were pressed down physically, the way they were pressed down as a nation, spiritually, we sit under that same weight, don't we? How many of y'all got some things in your life that's holding you down? Some things in your life that's pressing down on you. And I'm here to tell you today that even in that, then we take on this blind allegiance to our sin. So in such a way that we finally start to defend the very thing that the enemy has set in motion to destroy us. How how many of you have ever seen the show like on TV where someone has like a pet tiger in their house? Y'all ever seen that before? I know y'all probably like me, like I see this ending one way. Like it's only a matter of time before that tiger's like, you know what? You ain't fed me in about a day. So I'm going to just eat you. Like, I saw another video someone shared it with me on uh, Facebook because they know I hate snakes. So they saw fit to share it with me. It had a snake in it. And there was like a 14-foot python or something. And it belonged to a six-year-old girl. Y'all heard what I said. And I was like, like, they have tea time together. They sleep in the same bed together. And I was like, oh, no, sir. First of all, If I walk in my house and there's a lion, I'm not staying in my house. Like, I'm out, right? Secondly, if I walk in and there's a 14-foot python in my house, we're burning it to the ground. Like, sorry, Ash, I love you. There was a python and then it blew up. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's crazy. It was wild, right? Like, but hear me. You see, many of us treat our sin the way these people treat those animals, We tolerate in our lives the very things that will eventually destroy us. Yeah, I know I I got some unforgiveness in my life, but you don't know what they did to me. Right, but that unforgiveness isn't hurting them, it's hurting you. You, You've got that hatred in your heart towards people or towards things. I'm here to tell you today that as long as you allow that hatred to sit there, eventually it's not going to destroy the person or the thing that you hate. It's eventually going to destroy you. 
As long as you maintain that anger problem or that addiction, that pornography problem, that sex problem, the issue that causes you to keep cheating on your spouse, that everything that in your life that you know it goes against the very nature of God, many of us tolerate it and we play with it so long that we lose track of the fact that the enemy is going to use it to destroy us. But the king has come to set us free. The king has come on the scene that just like in the Old Testament, they would be delivered from evil rulers. The king has come into our life to set us free from spiritually evil rulers over our lives. He's come on the scene to say, you don't have to keep living like this anymore. But I've come that you would be set free. And then if we were honest, then we start defending it, don't we? How many of us have found ourselves, you don't have to raise your hand for this, but how many of us have found ourselves defending the very sin we know God has told us to get rid of? Well, you don't know what they did to me. Fair enough. But you don't know how bad I was hurting. Fair enough. I've had people sit across the desk from me. You You don't know why I am the way I am. Hear me, Jesus isn't looking for why you are the way you are. He's looking to give you a reason to stop being the way you are. Jesus, the king, has come to set you free from the bondages that are holding you down. I hope you grab a hold of this. Jesus didn't just come to be a savior for your past. He came to be a king in your presence so that you could rule with him in eternity. Jesus came on the scene to set us free. He desires to be our king. We serve under a ruler in the land, or not in the land, but we serve under a ruler in our hearts. And hear me. I want you to grab a hold of this. Where God doesn't rule, Satan reigns. I want you to lean into this. It's not that God rules some places, you rule some places, and the enemy rules some places. Where God doesn't rule, you're letting the enemy reign. And it's time we release the bondages of our life so that we can see God reign supremely in our lives. He steers, the enemy steers our emotion. He drives our ambitions. He pushes us to fight for identity. All the demise of insufficient accomplishments built on a false comfort of being, of belonging that we think we need to have in our lives. The enemy drives us to try to earn what he'll never give us, meanwhile denying the one that can give us what we could never earn. Jesus has come on the scene for us. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus, for those of us that are looking for Jesus, the Redeemer, Jesus the Savior came as the Redeemer, but Jesus the King came as the Ruler. He came as the Ruler. Turn to your neighbor and say, King. I want to make sure you were all together on this. Jesus the Redeemer Or Jesus the Savior came to redeem you from your past, but Jesus the King came to rule your hearts in the future. So what do we do? What did this King come for? This baby that was born in a manger thousands of years later, God's people are still trying to serve God the same way the Israelites were. We're looking for Jesus to be King over the areas of our lives that matter the least. We're blinded to Jesus' ultimate mission for us by our own personal wishes and desires. And so here's what we do. We approach God like this. I'll do all these things for you, God, as long as you do these things for me. Now, I know many of us wouldn't say this out of our mouths, but it is certainly the way that we live our lives. As long as you let that degree, as long as you let me get that degree, and then you give me that job that I'm looking for, and then as long as you give me that smoking hot wife that I've been praying for, never mind her character, integrity, or any of those things, I just want to make sure she looks good. As long as you give me the right paycheck, as long as you come through for me the way that I want you to come through for me, as long as you do these things, as long as you establish this plan, as long as you do it my way, God, I'll serve you. 
As long as you make sure that you give me all the things that I've worked for, because I've earned it. I've worked hard. I've showed you. I've done everything that I need to do. So God, I've done all I need to do. Now it's your job to do all the things I want you to do. Now, again, we certainly wouldn't say this, but is it how we think? So we come to God. God, as long as you don't let my pantry run out, uh, run empty, as long as my bank account sells full, as long as I get health, wealth, and happiness, God, I'll serve you. And then we take it a step further. If we're honest sometimes and we go, you know what? I'm a good person, so I really just need you for the eternity side of things. Like, because I'm such a good person, I don't really need you to, like, for my life today. I just need you as that get out of hell free card. So if you can just make sure you've lined up, like, the post-rapture thing for me, because I'm really still not sure how all that works. So uh, as long as you can make sure that once you come, uh, I get into heaven. I don't need you today and tomorrow as long as I can have you for eternity. And the king is coming to say, if you don't get me for today or tomorrow, what makes you think I'm going to rule with you in eternity? So he comes on the scene. And then if we take it a step further, which some of us tend to do if we're not careful, we go on this binge where we say, uh, you know, God, I, I, I really only use these spaces. And, and quite frankly, um, I'm, I'm certainly not as bad as these people over here. So um, we feel superior to the people around us because we've got more religious drive than they do. And so, uh, you know, God, I know I've messed up a few things, but I'm still not as bad as Sarah. Sorry if your name is Sarah. That was just a name I picked. It wasn't a thing. All right. So, all the Sarahs are leaving. No, like, so. God, I, I know I got some stuff I'm still working on, but I'm not as bad as Nate. Not as bad as Eli, not as bad as Brett. So God, you owe me, right? Like, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm better than them. And since I'm better than them, I'll just keep surrounding myself with people that I feel better than so that I don't see the faults that are actually in the mirror. And if we're honest, we stop living the life the king is asking for because we feel superior to the people that are around us. And Jesus is saying, I don't care what you think about Brett or Nate or Eli or the Sarahs. I care about the life I'm asking you to live. I care about whether or not you're letting me be king. You see, your righteousness isn't measured by your good works. And it's definitely not measured by the people you feel superior to. Your righteousness is measured against Jesus' righteousness. And hear me, church, you and I never measure up. The righteousness needed to get to heaven is the Empire State Building, and yours and my righteousness is the equivalent of a grain of sand. We'll never get there. And if I ended the sermon right now, no one would come back next week. But the beauty is, that's not the end. Because God saw fit to give to us a king. A king that would rule and reign in our hearts. But we have a king. Turn to your neighbor and say a king. We have a king. And because we have a king, and he comes to be righteous, a righteous king, and a reigning king, and a king of kingdom, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, talking about Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, Jesus substituted our sin righteousness for his empire state building righteousness. He took what we could never earn and gave to us what we could not deserve so that the thing that 
that we could not earn and we could not deserve would be given to us forever in heaven. The king has come on the scene. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. Our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption is in Christ Jesus. That means that everything you couldn't accomplish, Jesus went to the cross knowing you couldn't accomplish meant to buy your false failures and your future so that in this king you could have an eternal promise. We need more than a temporary king. We need more than a monetary substitute. We need more than a worldly sugar daddy. And we need more than a spiritual figurehead. We need a king that would reign our lives and would rule sovereignly over our lives. We need more. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hear me, my friends. To have Jesus as Savior means to surrender to Jesus as King. And for many of us, we're looking for the Savior Jesus, but we're not willing to surrender to the King Jesus. We want him to give us an eternal promise, but we don't want to serve him with a temporal body. Jesus is coming on the scene. He's saying, if you'll you'll serve me, if you'll let me reign, if you'll give to me, if you'll let me step into that life, if you'll let me rule over your life, I'm not just interested in giving you my Savior. I'm not just interested in giving you my blood. I'm not just interested in giving you my sacrifice. Listen, come to me as Savior and you'll get me as King. But if you realize that you're getting him as Savior, you'll love him as King. Because hear me, his desires are better for you. His ruling is better for you. His reigning is better for you. The drive he has is better for you. His ambitions are more pure for you. The leading he has is wiser than yours. The wisdom he has goes beyond your knowledge. Everything that he has is better. So when he reigns in your life, you may not know it and you may not be comfortable with it and you may not even love it at times because you're uncertain as to the future. But I'm here to tell you today that when we surrender to Jesus as king, the greatest possible ruler of our life steps in in all the aspects that you keep running into the ground trying to make happen, the king comes on the scene and he makes all things right. And so Isaiah says that he's our wonderful counselor. And today, if you're looking for counsel, today, if you're looking for the one that can help you overcome your anxiety, today, if you're looking for the one that would lead you and guide you and hold you, I'm here to tell you the wonderful counselor is our king. He's the one to bring you counsel, to hold you and bring you peace, the one to give you comfort and promise, the one to be your conviction when you know you're getting off the rails and the one to bring you back when you know you need help. He's our wonderful counselor. He's our mighty father. He's, he's the one, the everlasting father. From time to time, he is the end and he is the beginning. All things work within the scope of his hands. He knows who you are and he knows what you're going through. He knows where you've been and he knows where you're going. He's the everlasting father that loves you like a father. That no matter how you've messed it up, no matter how you've blown it up until this point, I'm here to tell you today that he comes on the scene ready to fulfill the love that you've looked for in every other place. He comes to fill that love himself because he's a father that wants to show you. He's the prince of peace. Every area of your life where you are distorted and you are disrupted and nothing feels right and the people around you keep making things worse and you can't seem to grab a hold of peace no matter what you cling to I'm telling you the king has come to be your prince of peace in your life his name is Jesus and so he steps in lastly is the mighty God hear me don't just look for a savior look to serve a king 
In Romans 5, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For too many of us, we've approached God as something we need. We have no idea that he's a king that we should want. So in Romans 5, Christ died for us. Christ, that king, came as a baby because, uh, became a servant to die a sinner's death so that you and I, as sinners, could live in eternity like a king. There's a promise for you. It's a promise for me that comes, that is fulfilled in Christ Jesus, that every single thing he has set into motion for our life, when we let him reign, when we give him space to rule, when we surrender to his kingship, hear me, he doesn't go out to be righteous in the world. He sets out to make us righteous in our heart. He doesn't just go out yet to rule and reign over the world. We are letting him, and he is stepping in to rule and reign in our life. And more importantly, and last but absolutely not least, he's not looking to set up a kingdom on this earth Listen to me. He's looking to set up a kingdom in your hearts. Jesus, the king, has been brought to this earth to make everything that was broken and fragmented in your life come together. And when he rules and he reigns, he makes all things right. Why? Because we serve a king. And his name is Jesus. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have in the beginning set a plan into motion that you would rescue us from the sin that separated us from you. Jesus, thank you that you are the king that we didn't even know we needed and we certainly didn't know we wanted, but Jesus, you came in as a savior, but you're letting us know today that you're here to establish yourself as a king. You're not a beggar. But you have come on the scene to show us and show the world around us that a life lived with the king is a life that progresses. It is a life that moves. It is a life full of peace and joy and hope. A life full of righteousness and a life that you reign is something we can take heart in that you are the one that we need. So God, I pray that we would be inspired today not to look at our failures, not to surrender to the brokenness of our lives, not to allow sin to exist in our life like the poisonous thing that's ready to kill us at any turn, but that we would look to you to be the one to wipe the slate clean and give us a fresh start. Thank you, Jesus, that you became the king that we needed. So Jesus, we pray today that you will become the king we didn't know we wanted. In Jesus' name, if you're here today and you need Jesus to reign in your life, maybe you've known Jesus as Savior, but you have not let him rule as king. You've tried it your way. And if you're being honest, the aspects of your life that you're in control of aren't working out. Maybe life isn't terrible, but you know there's something missing. Because Jesus steps in to be Savior where he's surrendered to as King. And today, if you don't know Jesus, but you're ready to say, you know what, Brad, I need him in my life. My sins are separating me from God, but I want to know God. If that's you today, Jesus 
went to the cross and he paid for those sins. He bought your life back. And all you have to do is put your faith in him and say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. I believe you died for me on the cross and I'm ready to follow you. But I believe there's a second group of you in here that you've known the truth about Jesus as Savior, but you've yet to surrender to him as King. And I want to invite you today to step into the greatest life that's available to you in Christ because today he's ready to meet you. Today he's ready to reign. Today he's ready to rule. And if that's you, whether you're on one side or the other, we're going to pray together and tell Jesus from this moment forward, my life belongs to you. And we're going to invite him into our life to reign and to rule in our hearts. And so uh, I want to invite you to pray this prayer after me. And this prayer doesn't make you saved. For those that are praying that, this prayer is acknowledging the faith you're putting in Jesus and that faith that makes you saved. But we're going to declare with our mouth that we're believing in Christ. So church, let's pray it with all of those that are praying today that Jesus is the Lord of their life and that they're surrendering to him as king. Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Forgive me where I've tried to be king. I give you my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And through your death, and through your life, you paid for me. So I give you my life. Become king. Rule in my heart. Reign over my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. TC, one time, let's give it up for all those that prayed today. Man, we celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome.